Hey guys, it's time to talk sports in the Ozone. Ronnie O and Coach Joe warmed up, ready to go, talking sports in the Ozone. The Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone had dinner last night with Frank Julia and his sister Rose. And man, I tell you what, they're good people and uh, we really appreciate their sponsorship. Well, Coach Joe, today the Bucks schedule came out. Once again, they play the Dolphins. How come the Dolphins always let them host the game in the preseason? Seems like every time they play the Dolphins, it's in Tampa. And then they're going to play that. That'll be on August 13th. August 20th, they'll host the Titans. And then the Bucks travel, which is unusual, on Saturday, August 27th, they'll go to Indianapolis. But a lot of good games on here. The Bucks are going to host the Packers, the Cowboys, the Chiefs. Um, they're going to go to the Steelers, a host the Raiders, uh, Ravens, and the Rams. And then they're going to go to Germany and play the Seahawks. And um, they're going to finish out with a game to be determined against the Falcons. This is the year, Ronnie, when the NFC gets the extra home game. Uh, this is the second year of the 17-game schedule. So, obviously, you get 9 and 8 because 17 is an odd number. And I believe that the preseason, now that there's only three games in the preseason, that's determined by whether how many home games you have in the regular season. And that's why the Bucks play um, twice at home. Now, actually, one of those should be—it should be twice on the road and once at home. Uh, but uh, because uh, they have the extra home game this year. Well, for whatever reason, that it seems like they play the Dolphins in Tampa every year. I they don't, do play. That is in Tampa. Yeah. I yeah. don't know why, but it just seems that way to me. But a lot, lot of good games if you're it's a Bucs season ticket haven't holder. haven't quite figured it out yet. <laughs> and the good news is you can hear all of their games right here on 96.7 WLKF or 1430 AM in um, – the Bucks, um, I can't. I can't remember. Did Deckerhoff retire? He's going to do the Bucks games and not Florida State, or is it the other way around? I can't remember. Do you I, remember? Yeah, yeah, you're right. But the first one, he's he's still with the he's still with the Bucks. Okay, he's retired from Florida State. Yeah, yeah. So six eight two fourteen thirty. If I got that backwards, but I'm <laughs> I'm ninety eight percent sure of that. All right, ninety eight percent sure. So. That cannot possibly be wrong. That would be the first time ever we'd had anything wrong here in the Ozone. The that Clarkster. we admitted to, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, the Clarkster knows all, sees all. So anything we say. I just want all. <laughs> he, he, he sends a little electric shock through the headphones when we get something wrong, so we immediately straighten it out. So, so far, so far, so good. <laughs> uh, you see how he is? That's why we tell people don't take him to the alehouse. If you win that $30 gift certificate. But I'm hungry. See, he's always hungry. The, the man eats like a steam shovel. It's unbelievable. An enormous appetite. <laughs> Insatiable Eric Clark. Grinding up bones and gristle, anything. That's right. Doesn't matter. Money, food, that doesn't money. matter. You know, and, and he won't let us use his yacht, won't take us on his Learjet. You know, the guy is just. He you got to have that stuff first. <laughs> <laughs> then he denies he even has it. You know, that, that's that's the bad part of it. I mean, we, we walk right past the airplane hangar on our way into the studio. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, he flies here on a helicopter. That's how he gets here. He tells us he walks. I wish. Lands right on top of the roof there. Yeah. He's like Santa Claus. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Uh, but um, that's a really attractive home schedule for the Bucks. If uh, you have season tickets, you're going to have a lot of good games. I guess the bad news to that is <laughs> there aren't too many cupcakes on there. Of course, the NFL is not like college football, you know, where you can schedule an FCS team or something. So you're going to get some good games no matter what. But um, very interesting there. And uh, we're going to have a really good show for you tonight. Mike Huguenin from On3.com is going to be with us, be talking a little college football. And then Rick Nolte is going to come on. Rick um, is an excellent amateur golfer here in Polk County. And uh, he also has a business where he fits people for their clubs. And so he knows a lot about golf, and we'll have him on in the second part of the show. So let's go ahead and give Mike Hugan and all the time we can get. Let's go ahead and take a break right now a little bit early so that we can get Mike Hugan in here. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. This is Graham Rahal, 2008 St. Pete Grand Prix champion, and you're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Ozone. Oh, yeah. The Ozone Show with Ronnie O and Coach Joe, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right, Graham Rahal, just one of the all-stars that we've had here in the Ozone. We've got another with us tonight, Mr. Mike Huguenin from On3.com. Mike, welcome back to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, we really appreciate you being here. You know, the Florida Gators opened with Utah in the swamp, and originally the Gators were favored. And uh, I don't think Utah's gotten the respect that they deserve. Now Utah's a point-and-a-half favorite over the Gators. And uh, they're bringing back Cam Rising. And uh, Kyle Willingham is the winningest coach in Utah history. He's 144-66. and 66, And uh, he took over after Urban Meyer left. I think this guy is underrated, and I think Utah's underrated. What is your assessment? Yeah, Utah's a really good team. They got uh, 13 starters back. Uh, eight on offense is a team that doesn't do anything out of the ordinary. They, they, you know, they run the they run the ball right at you, um, and they don't care that you know it because they're they're confident that they're more physical than you are. They are the most physical program in the Pac-12. They have really good lines uh, on both sides of the ball, and I think if I'm a Florida fan, the idea that they're going to be able to run the ball on the Gators, and I think that's extremely likely. And I think that's Florida's biggest issue this year, uh, the, the, the defensive front, specifically the tackles. But, um, yeah, Utah has a good quarterback, Cam Rising, Tavion Thomas, the returning running back, a 1,000-yard rusher last year, Clark Phillips, who might be the best corner in the Pac-12. Um, the Abate, the Florida transfer, is going to be starting at linebacker form. That is a really good team. Um, and if I'm Billy Napier, I'm thinking, man, why couldn't we have opened with a rummy opponent <laughs> instead of the defending Pac-12 champ? I agree. And if you watch that Rose Bowl, my gosh, they, Utah was down to like their third quarterback. They had running backs playing in the defensive backfield, and yet they gave Ohio State, which I think was one of the top two or three teams in the country last year, all they could handle. Yeah, and the Utah – the I think the advantage Florida's going to have, obviously, the, the heat. I mean, you can say you're ready for hot weather, 
but any Florida native knows that it's pretty darn hot in early September. I don't care what time of the day it is. The humidity saps your strength, and obviously Florida is going to be used to that. Uh, Utah is not. So obviously Napier's first game, presumably Florida is going to be much is going to be a running team a lot like Utah. Um, but, yeah, you, that is an extremely difficult first game. Heck, Florida's got an extremely difficult first month because they also have Kentucky and Tennessee. So um, there's no way for Napier to sort of ease into the job at UF. Um, he's going to have to hit the ground running and have his team extremely well prepared um, because the first month of the season is uh, minefield after minefield. If you're starving for college football information, and you should be, uh, you come to the right place. So we're talking with Mike Eugen and Von3.com here in the Ozone, 682-1430, 682-1430. You can join in the conversation. Mike, I got about a million questions, uh, but it just seems to me uh, this time a year ago, if I remember correctly, um, we had a power five and we had a, a rising group of five. Uh, with teams like Cincinnati uh, on the on the move and rising, and and a plan for a 12-team playoff that would include the big conference champions and and a group of five team and plenty of room for wild cards, and it was all going just great. And now look where we are. Uh, help help me navigate this dystopian future that we're heading towards. Yeah, <laughs> dystopian. That's nice. I guess that's because you're a lawyer. Um, <laughs> it, it is interesting. You know, last year at this time. We were, it was the aftermath of Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC. And their immediate, oh, my God, the Big 12 is doomed. So here we are almost exactly a year later. You have USC and UCLA joining the Big 10, which means you have two schools in L.A. in the same conference as a university from New Jersey. And all of a sudden now it's, goodness, the Big 12 could raid the Pac-12 and solidify itself for the future. Um, and it, 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 it's amazing what's, what's happened in the last year with the NIL transfer portal spinning wildly. And the, you're right. I think everyone, the assumption was, oh, yep, 12-team playoff. The question is when it's going to get here. Will it be here in 2025? Oh, my goodness, could it actually be 2024? And now I think the 12-team playoff's coming. But I don't think it's going to be until 2027. And the, the interesting thing about this is the, the, the ringleader sort of who was, we, we don't need to expand the playoff, was the ACC commissioner, Jim Phillips. And I think that's going to go down as one of the most boneheaded college athletic seasons <laughs> um, in, in the last 50 years. Um, the, the ACC, which it sort of showed up starkly, when USC and UCLA made the move to the Big Ten, you realize that the SEC and Big Ten schools are going to rake in about $100 bucks a year annually each. And then you look at the ACC, whose media rights deal doesn't expire until 2036, and they're bringing in about $34 million. So sooner rather than later, you're going to have SEC and Big Ten schools making almost three times as much as ACC schools. Who knows what's going to happen to the Big 12 remnants and the Pac-12 leftovers, but I would argue in a lot of respects if the Big 12 can bring in those Pac-12 teams, the Big 12 stronger than the ACC. 
Um, and if, if I'm Clemson specifically, uh, I'm extremely worried. Clemson in the 90s and early 2000s, they, they were not nationally relevant. They are extremely nationally relevant now, but in a league that's becoming increasingly irrelevant. So if I'm Clemson, if I'm FSU, if I'm Miami, if I'm Virginia Tech, i.e. the four schools that truly care about football in the ACC, I'm worried because my grant of rights deal doesn't expire until 2036, and we can't wait that long. So it's going to be interesting to see um, all the backroom machinations that go on. And I know last week there was a story, the S- or maybe it was even earlier this week, the SEC is fine with 16. Yeah, uh, they can say that. But <laughs> if Notre Dame and North Carolina walked into Greg Sankey's office tomorrow, the SEC is an 18-team league. So um, it, it, the whole college athletic scene, it's almost like whenever your lips are moving, I know you're lying. And that's sort of what we've it's come, it's come to that. And we've also got athletic directors and conference commissioners diving under couches for nickels and dimes. So um, it's all about finances. And again, it's it's you can say one thing, but take everything that an athletic administrator says with a truckload of salt, not just a grain of salt. Oh, tell it like it is, brother. Yeah. Well, you know, Mike, uh, locally here, USF has has building because I've seen it's under construction a gi- a giant indoor facility, and uh, they have plans to build an on-campus stadium. Uh, should they put those on hold? What's no, going to happen to schools so. I, I like think that? that? I think we're, you know, I think we're all of a certain age. We can all remember 1982 when the Supreme Court made its TV decision. They basically told the yeah. NCA, "No, you do not control your school's TV rights. The schools control them themselves." And I can remember in the aftermath of that, all the doom and gloomers threw up their hands. Oh my God, this is going to ruin college athletics. It's going to be some super conference of 40 teams. Oh, my goodness, this is going to be horrible. Well, here we are 40 years later, and it still hasn't happened. But I would argue that USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten means that is going to happen. And I don't think it's imminent. I think it's probably within the next 10 to 20 years. But I think there is going to be some kind of super conglomeration, sort of an NFL junior kind of thing. And if I'm USF and I'm UCF, um, I'm thinking – we're in big media markets, and the media market is the key thing right now. Because so, let's get serious. If every, if let's pretend we're starting from ground zero, UCF and USF would be highly, highly sought after programs, much more so than the likes of South Carolina, Mississippi, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt. So, um, no, I think if I'm USF. Um, I'm moving full speed ahead. I got the money. I better spend it. Let's get an on-campus stadium built. Um, I saw I saw one story where somebody that was brought up at a, at a USF meeting about the stadium. Will it be nicer than UCF's? <laughs> and every, and there was a bunch of laughter, and they said yes because it's going to have concrete stands. <laughs> oh, oh, so oh. even though USF is obviously way behind UCF now, uh, they can still make fun of UCF Stadium. So, um, but no, USF, they should, have been, they should have done this a long time ago. Obviously, the, the, the fi- I understand the finances. In, in a perfect world, they would have done it a long time ago. They couldn't. At least they're doing it now, and I would be full speed ahead with those plans. Well, you know, Mike, one of the things that we've talked about with teams like USF, 
UCF is, yes, they're in big media markets, but they rent. They don't own those markets. Right, and that's, and that's the thing with, you know, you got Cincinnati coming in, you got Houston coming in, you got UCF coming in. Um, and none of those schools are the main entity on TV when the games are shown in those markets. Houston, I would argue, is clearly and distinctly number three or four in Houston. They're distinct, definitely behind Texas and Texas A&M. Cincinnati's definitely behind Ohio State. Uh, and you wonder, in, in Orlando, I would love to see the TV ratings for Florida, Florida State, and even Miami games. Um, and the, the fallacy, you're, you're right about that. And the, one of the fallacies about Miami is that, well, that's a huge media market, but um, Miami is not, I would argue, is not as, what's the word, attractive to, to leagues as a Clemson or a North Carolina. North Carolina... Um, is a jewel out there. They, any league would take North Carolina. It's the ninth largest state in, in the nation. Uh, the population continues to go up. Charlotte's a gigantic media market. Raleigh has a pro team and is a pretty nicely sized media market. Plus, North Carolina is sort of the foundation on which the ACC has been built. Think of it as a Jenga game. You take North Carolina to the bottom, Jenga falls. So <laughs> it, that, that's something to keep an eye on as well, what happens to North Carolina and Clemson and Virginia Tech. Um, I think North Carolina feels an, an obligation of sorts uh, because it was there at the beginning of the ACC. But, as again, USC and UCLA are in a league with a school from New Jersey and Pennsylvania. It's every man for himself. So I think North Carolina and Clemson uh, are, are two schools that, that, that are thinking that way. No doubt about it. You wrote a great article about transfers and the impacts they'll have. For the Florida Gators, I think there's two guys, um, Osiris Torrance, the offensive tackle, and Ricky Pearsall, the wide receiver. What can you tell us about those guys? Yeah, I think Torrance might be the best offensive lineman uh, on campus now. Um, he's a true road grader at guard. Um Napier wants to have a physical team. He wants to run the ball right at you. And a guy like Torrance is going to be vital. Uh, preseason, like second-team All-SEC, I can see him even potentially being a first-team guy. Um, he, he is really good now. He obviously understands what Napier wants on offense, so that's a positive. Pearsall, I think, was I think too many people sort of didn't take notice. If you were a Gator fan, obviously you took notice. But I think nationally his, his addition was sort of overlooked. He was Arizona State's leading receiver last year. He is a guy who can play in the slot. He has nice size. He can also play on the outside, so he's got some versatility. But you look at Florida's receiving room, um, not a lot of production in that group. Yes, Justin Shorter's back, uh, but Pearsall is an experienced hand. Um, Napier is a former Arizona State assistant. He has knowledge of Pearsall. I think Pearsall can do some good things for Florida. And another key uh, transfer, he'll be in a story we're doing tomorrow, is Montrell Johnson, the running back who transferred from Louisiana as well. Sunbelt Conference freshman of the year last year. Uh, I think he'll be a extremely important part of Florida's running back rotation, especially since Naquan Wright's coming off that uh, broken ankle. Our, our guest tonight, Mike Eugen, on 3.com. You, you need to go there if you want to find out what's going on in the world of college football. They cover it up, down, and all around, and they're especially awesome in recruiting news, which is a, a big deal right now. And uh, 
Mike, uh, we only got about a minute left, but I wanted to ask you, uh, Miami is making a lot of noise in recruiting right now with Mario Cristobal. Yet you you started to point out earlier about the fact that they might not be that attractive as part of a super conference. No, they'll, they'll be in a super conference. I miss uh, eventually, but I mean, I think the idea that you know North conferences want North Carolina more than they want Miami. But what about FSU? Who, who would the, the SEC want, want more, Mike? Would they want FSU or Miami more? Yeah, well, I think FSU. Um, but I think one problem with the ACC has been that FSU and Miami have woefully underachieved. Miami's been in the league 18 years, played in one ACC title game. But Crystal Ball is an ace recruiter. Um, he's doing a phenomenal job. I am a little bit surprised that most of his recruits are coming from out of state rather than South Florida, but he is increasing the talent level, uh, and this staff will do a much better job of coaching the team okay. uh, than the last staff. Well, uh, yeah, I, I imagine they will be improved, and, and a lot, a lot's going on right now. On3.com, if you want to keep up with everything. Mike, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. We, we need to expand the show to a couple hours when, <laughs> when we have you on because there's so much to talk about. But you'll come and join us again soon, I hope. Yeah, no problem. I always enjoy being on. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Mike. It's Mike Huguenin of On3.com, just really one of the awesome college football uh, public uh, sites, and one of, he's one of the awesome writers in the game today. And uh, this has been an awesome show so far, and we've got more to come right after Kim Commando and the Fox Business Brief. We'll be back with Rick Nolte, and we'll talk a little bit of golf here in the Ozone with Ronnie Owen, Coach Joe, Talk Radio 96.7, WLKF. Talk Radio 96.7, WLKF, and... The Ozone. The Ozone Show with Ronnie O and Coach Joe in progress, ready to go. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right. We are back in the Ozone, and with us on the phone is Mr. Rick Nolte. Rick, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Rick, you there? Well, we may be having a little trouble with Rick. Um, Rick, you there? Well, we're having a little bit of trouble. There is that bad weather, and uh, yeah, we'll have to send Eric up, could up, be to, that. <laughs> up up to the roof with the uh, with the uh, coat hanger. Send him with a one iron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eric is gonna uh, Eric's gonna have to hold his arm up so that we get better reception in here. Get up there and fly that kite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love that story of Lee Trevino. He said, "Starts lightning." Said, "I'm gonna hold up a one iron because even the Lord can't hit a one iron." Yeah. So. I don't know about that, but <laughs> you know, Lee Trevino and I think Jerry Hurd were uh, were both struck by lightning during a PGA tournament. Yeah, you're right. That's yeah. true. And they lived to tell about it, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend of mine who was um, Wayne Pieces Center at Lakeland High School. He was a lineman for Tico, and he was struck by lightning and um, his heart stopped. But fortunately, they'd learned CPR and they were able to revive him. Ooh, man. So we're we're working right now to try to get Rick Nolte back on the line, and uh, the Clarkster is scrambling in there, and you know he, Clarkster knows all, sees all. Technology does not baffle him like it does me. So he is in the process of getting him back. Rick, you there with us? Yeah, sorry about that. I guess I had a UFO fly over me or too close by or something. <laughs> uh, Luckily, we're wearing our tinfoil hats, so we're safe. Over that's here. right. That's that's the only reason we can get you on the line here. Well, um, wow, Rick, we're really glad to have you on with us tonight on the Ozone, and um, we uh, understand that you are also, in addition to being a golf club 
guy that fits golf clubs to people and could even make me shoot 65. Uh, of course, that would be about nine holes, but at, at any rate. Hey, we won't tell him it was just nine. <laughs> but you're also a candidate for the school board, and I know that you've been busy with that. But um, I want to get your take on the British Open. Uh, the guys that played early went really low. Um, what's your take on that? Well, I think uh, the guys, anytime you tee it up early in a uh, PJ event or any, actually any golf event, when you golf early, I think you've got the advantage because your, your, uh, your greens are actually perfectly smooth and uh, uh, usually uh, the wind's not really blowing that hard. And then as the day progresses, your, your, uh, your uh, greens, your putting service gets chewed up a little bit. Even though we're wearing uh, the rubber spikes now, we're not using the metals much anymore. Uh, and then, of course, the temperature goes up and the wind comes up and it just makes it uh, a lot more challenging, I believe. Well, this kid Cameron Young goes out there and the first time he's in a British Open and shoots an 8-under 64. Now, we know that the winds can start howling and that 8-under 64 that leads right now by two shots over Rory McIlroy, you know, the right. next time you go out there, you might shoot 78 like Tiger did today. That's uh, that's very true. That's very true. But uh, wow, what a sensational first round in a major! He's not intimidated at all, is he? No, these uh, these new uh, these new guns are just. Uh, uh, it's almost like they've been out there for ten years. I think it's a lot because of the college programs being so uh, top quality now, and uh, uh, various tours around the world, South American tour and uh, European tour, Asian tour. It's uh, it's amazing what they can do nowadays. Rick, somebody told me that you were the club champion at Cleveland Heights at one time. Is that correct? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I believe uh, that's just about when Thomas Edison was inviting, inventing the light bulb and everything. <laughs> but uh, no, actually, it was uh, actually it was nineteen eighty three. I believe it was. All and right. It was, uh, let's see. It was Walt Weaver and myself, and uh, just a bunch of the guys that are long in tooth right now. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was I was blessed because the first round it was uh it was uh, dreary and uh, rainy and I was uh, had a wind uh, a rain jacket on and I was like the Tin Man I think I shot 69 and then uh, the second day uh, the sun came out it was much nicer and I uh, I smoothed it around for 71 and I had to make about a three and a half four foot putt to beat Walt Weir by one stroke so. Uh, I was definitely blessed that day. Oh, man. Rick, I know one of the things you do is fit people for golf clubs. What are you looking for when the weekend golfer comes in? What are you looking for in trying to fit that person for clubs? Well, the most important uh, part of the golf club, believe it or not, Ron, is the shaft. So I immediately uh, uh, ask him some questions and put him on uh, a speed gun so we can see exactly what his club head speed is. And I I tell them, now, don't act like John Daly or uh, back in the day, Jim Dent. Just take a normal <laughs> swing, and we'll, uh, we'll, get, uh, oh, we'll get at least a uh, half dozen, ten, uh, five irons, six irons, and then we'll go to the wood. And since the wood is uh, uh, longer than the five iron by several inches, most of your woods nowadays are about 46, 45 and a half inches long compared to a 38-inch uh, five iron. So they're going to get a lot more club head speed out of the driver. But once you uh, fit the uh, golfer for the correct uh, uh, flex of the shaft, then you also need to find out, is it easy for the golfer to get the ball near? Does he have to work on it? If he has to work on it, you want to go with a lower kick shaft to get the ball near uh, faster and easier and more fun for the golfer to play. And uh, But golf shaft's definitely the most important part of the golf club. And then after that, uh, 
you can go with, uh, you know, a game improvement head if you're not able to practice a lot, or if you're a super golfer like uh, Mr. Andy Bean, our friend, you can go with the muscle forged back. And of course, Wilson, Wilson's making a strong comeback now and making some good looking irons and woods. And uh, well, every, actually, everybody's got their improvements now. It's amazing. Our guest tonight, Rick Nolte, is uh, also a candidate for school board in Polk County. Don't forget to get out and vote. And uh, you can call us here at 682-1430. We're talking a little bit of golf. Uh, Coach Joe here, Rick. You know, uh, I, I think I need to come get a consult with you because uh, the clubs that I'm using, because I didn't play for a while, and I'm, I'm kind of getting back into it again. And the clubs I'm right. using are about as old as your club championship. So, <laughs> the, and, and I'm, I, I don't generate yeah, the club head speed anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, I was a younger man. I could, I swung from my heels, you know, and and, and let it rip. Right. Uh, I can't do that anymore. My back will stiffen up and all of that. So, so uh, you you, uh, you think you can help a, a guy like me out? Definitely, definitely. We'll put you in a, a lighter shaft. Uh, some of these graphite shafts for irons, you can get them as, as light as, uh, oh, 50, 45, 55 gram. Uh, and your traditional dynamic shaft was approximately 120 grams. So that's a big savings there. So put you in a little bit softer tip, overall lighter uh, golf shaft, overall lighter swing weight. And then if we put you even in a little bit undersized grips, that would score that club head up fast. So we could definitely retrieve a lot of the distance you've lost over the years. Uh, that sounds that sounds terrific, and you're right about the action at uh, Scotland at the British Open, or the Open is I, I got I'm I uh, you know I'm like you're all's age, so I still call it the British Open, but but it's officially called the <laughs> I Open. I do also. Now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I watched most of Rory McIlroy's round, and he was playing with Xander Shoffley, and they were just putting on a, a beautiful. Uh, display of golf. It was it was absolutely amazing to watch. And, and Sanders at three under, he he took a late bogey and had an early bogey, and it sort of has, has left him off the pace. But uh, one person that I think is a real threat to win, as as good as uh, as the other guys are, it's the other Cameron Cameron Smith. He's at five under. He's in third right now, and he has just been playing so well. He won the Players earlier this year, uh, and and he's so good on the greens. Uh, do, you, do you think that's the right way to win? Is it? Because to me, St. Andrews is so much about putting. Right, right, and and then you also have to be uh, on the uh, on the correct side of the hole. And there's a lot of faults fronts and faults back. So a lot of these greens look like they're really huge, but when you when you get down to it, uh, uh, they're really very small putting surfaces. So the uh, the second shot, uh, your approach <coughs> shot into the greens is really a key, and uh, I think whoever has the hot putter and keeps the keeps a little white white pellet in the short grass is going to um, come out ahead for sure. You know, one thing I noticed in watching the telecast, uh, what they'd use at Shot Tracer now, is the on this really St. Andrews is very firm, very fast, and the, the players are intentionally sending the ball out lower, uh, and they're right. they're keeping it down, and I guess hoping for more roll despite the the variables that come with a bouncing golf ball. Uh, if, if I, if, if I were to just to, to want to know how to lower the flight of a ball for a specific situation, I know you don't do that much in Florida because nothing bounces here, but, but if I were to go over to Scotland and want to play that game, what's the best way to hit a lower shot without uh, messing up my swing? Well, definitely uh, move, move the ball back in your stance and, uh, 
you're actually going to uh, move your hands forward a little bit. So you're going to sort of like hood the, uh, you're actually taking loft off. And by pay, playing the ball back in your stance, moving your hands forward, and you're going to do a little bit abbreviated swing. You don't, don't need to take that full swing because you want to you want to flight the ball, keep it low. And, of course, um, they're, they invented the bump and run, uh, or as they call in Texas, the Texas wedge. But uh, you definitely want to flight it down with the wind over there. And uh, you really got to – You've got to know the uh, the hole, like the back of your hand. You've got to know where the undulations are, where the where the where the bounces are, and especially as you approach the greens, there's some sand traps you just don't want to get into because you may have to end up going up backwards. And uh, it's I'm looking forward to a great weekend of golf, and uh, especially that 18th hole being a short par four, but it's out of bounds down the right side, I believe behind it also. It's uh, going to be uh, whoever can flight it down and. Uh, as Tiger Woods said, they hit that stinger, but uh, you're basically just you know just flighting it down, moving your hands forward, and uh, uh, shortening your swing up and move it back in your stance. Rick, you mentioned the improvements in clubs and certainly the balls, and with all of that going on, at what point does it make a lot of the courses just too old? I mean, you, the courses can't contain the improvements, and where do you think the limit should be on that? Oh, really? I'm I'm old school, so I thought I think we really uh, we should have jumped on this years ago. Um, the ball definitely uh, flies much further now. And of course, the uh, the golf clubs back in the day when we played were were hitting uh, seven eight degree lofted on the woods to keep it down. Now uh, the ball just doesn't spin like it used to. It doesn't. Uh, it's made differently. It's, most of your balls aren't, aren't wound anymore. They're two piece, three piece, four piece, five piece. Uh, so you have to go with drivers with a little more loft to get the ball in the air because the new ball, like I said, just doesn't spin. Um, and I, it's really sad to see these par fives that the pros are now hitting drivers and seven irons too. Yeah. That back in the day, the, like Jack Nicholas and Trevino and Palmer, all those guys written, you know, driver, three wood and wedge to a par five. And nowadays uh, <laughs> they've almost made a lot of the great tracks, uh, great tracks uh, obsolete to them because of the distance factor. I think, I think they need to turn that, tune that ball back down, but I think it's almost too late now. It's out of control. Rick, we're almost out of time. Where is your business? Where can someone go and uh, get your consultation, and when are you open? Uh, we've got about 30 seconds. Okay. Um, thank you again for having me on the show tonight. I really appreciate it. I'm running for school board uh, seat three, so I've really gone to the shop by appointment only. Uh, I'm across the street from Miller's Ale House. There's a Sherwin-Williams paint store there, and that's called Creative Drive. I'm down Creative Drive, 7th uh, Warehouse on the right. Just turned past the uh, the sign. I'm on the west side of the warehouse. And uh, 608-5583 is my cell. Call me. I'll set you up an appointment. And then after the 23rd of August, I'll probably be living there again and uh, <laughs> hopefully celebrating my win. All right, Rick, thank you so much. Appreciate you being on with us. Thanks, thank Rick. you so much. Have a great day and a good weekend, and God bless. Awesome. God bless you, too. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Now, this is James Harris, former NFL quarterback. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on the Ozone. Ozone. Oh, yeah. Ahoo, the Ozone. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right. James Shaq Harris, just one of the luminaries we've had here all because they want to talk to the legendary Clarkster. Well, I know right now your bellies are screaming. They're saying, hurry up, feed me, feed me. 
Okay, we're going to do it. One of food. That's right. We're curing hunger one person at a time here in the ozone. All right. If you haven't won in the last six months, give us a call, 682-1430, if you know the answer to our sports quiz. What we want to know is which Tampa Bay Rays pitcher is a possible starting pitcher in the All-Star game. 682-1430. That's 682-1430. If you haven't won in the last six months, there you go. You could be going out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House, located at 5650 South Florida Avenue. They've got 40 strategically located television sets, and you can watch your favorite sporting event anywhere in the restaurant. And they have great food. They have drink and meal specials every night of the week. And you might see Coach Joe and I out there, and we will allow anyone, it's unlimited, to buy our dinner or our drinks. <laughs> You're still un- unlimited, right? They take good care of us there. <laughs> no, well, I, I, I always get my iced tea, of course. and, and get. Uh, no, I mean, it's unlimited if, if any of our millions of fans were to come out there and want to buy our dinner Absolutely. You, you feel free to do that. We can chat and watch the game. I know the British Open is on this weekend, so I'll be all over that. Uh, I really like like it, especially that it's in St. Andrews, uh, Ronnie, because uh, that you talked about an old, old course. Is, that's the oldest course that there is. <laughs> and they have still managed uh, to keep that course relevant. They, they still play there every few years. It was in 2000 that Tiger lit it up and go 19 under, but but nobody's done that since, and that was Tiger, and he won that by about seven shots. So the uh, St. Andrews has a way of making itself difficult, even even though there wasn't a lot of wind in the morning, and guys are able to shoot. One guy was able to shoot 64, and, and Rory was able to shoot 66, but it, it still played tough because they put the pins in these positions where you can't get there, <laughs> no matter what you do. You could drive it, drive it. They're on a par four, but it won't get anywhere near the hole. You'll be a thousand, a thousand feet away. It's it's amazing how it's set up, and it's all it's all was done naturally, basically, you know, by sheep, shepherds, and God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it has never been refurbished. There's never yeah. been any dirt moved. I didn't know that until today. And some of the guys that I eat lunch with are really knowledgeable about golf, and they were saying that you know one of the bad things about it is, um, I think. One of the guys was talking about that um, somebody, I can't remember who it was, played with Ernie Els, who'd played there a lot. And he said, okay, on this hole, he said, you see that rock down there about 275 yards? He said, that's where you need to aim your drive. might have been McElroy that he was playing with. So McElroy hits his drive down there. It hits the rock, bounces up in the air, and bounces out of bounds. <laughs> so he didn't figure on that. Well, our sports quiz. Give us a call, 682-1430, for a $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. If you haven't won in the last six months, give us a call. All we want to know is which Tampa Bay Rays pitcher has been selected to the All-Star team and could be the starter in the All-Star game. You know, he played his college baseball over at the University of South Florida, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Rays are playing the Orioles this weekend. They have to be careful. Uh, Baltimore won 10 games in a row. I don't know if they made it 11 or not, but they are suddenly the hottest team in baseball, them and the Mariners. Yeah, that's that's really unbelievable. We finally got somebody that's hungry and thirsty calling in. Their dialing fingers were itching. I knew that somebody was going to call in. I mean, we 
you know, we're not trying to stump anybody. We're trying to get people to win and send them out the alehouse. Ed, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you, Ronnie? Fantastic. You hungry and thirsty, brother? I, I live hungry and thirsty. Oh, I like that. I like that. Which Tampa Bay Rays pitcher has been named the all-star and is the odds-on favorite to be the starter? Shane McClanahan. Oh, you're a winner. You are a winner. All right, Ed. Yeah, there you go. Ed's our all-star tonight. Huh? That's right. <laughs> Yeah, that is a baseball question. <laughs> uh, I know you've been out the alehouse. You got it. I'll, I'll love it. What do you get when you go there? I get the uh, the chicken uh, spring salad, whatever those uh, Oriental chicken pieces are. They're great. Zinger, chicken zinger salad. Oh, uh, you're a better man than I. <laughs> somebody told me, they said, you know, back when I was a kid, so they didn't have cholesterol. Said if they did, Mama would just <laughs> fried it up and put gravy on it. So, <laughs> Well, they sure found it since we got old, didn't they? Oh, yeah, they did. They did, and they sent me a heap and helping. <laughs> uh, the, the singers are terrific, Ed. And, yeah, uh, actually, depending on how you get them, they can be pretty healthy, too. I think Ronnie can handle yeah. Yeah, Maybe. I don't well, know. Yeah, exactly. Well, Ed, hang on the line. Eric will get your information and uh, put your hand over your wallet because he'll try and get your wallet too. But um, yeah, there's no fee for this. Don't let Eric, uh, you know, tell you otherwise. <laughs> don't let him charge you. For it. Just <laughs> cut it out, guys. Just cut it out. Uh, Ed, congratulations, and I hope we'll Thanks, see you ben, out have there. Have a good night. All right, you too. Hang on the line so Eric can get your information. You Ron, Ronnie, a quick uh, update. It, the second. Bucks preseason game is at Tennessee, so they do play twice on the road. The Dolphins game is the one home exhibition. Game. All right. Well, it's about time. <laughs> so we'll be back next week, and we're going to have one of our great guests of all time, Mr. Phil Steele, is going to be on with us next week.